Are you planning for retirement, buying a home, sending your kids to college, or looking for ways to protect your estate assets? The Simply Advised podcast connects you to trusted professionals, subject matter experts who communicate critical information in a meaningful and memorable way to guide you to make smart choices. Listen in as our experts help you handle whatever life throws your way. Hello and welcome to another Simply Advised podcast. The goal of this podcast is very simple to provide you, our listeners, with executable, actionable, and amazing education when it comes to financial services. And today, of course, is no different than any of the other podcasts that we've done. We've got Frank Morano, who is a licensed fiduciary financial advisor at Morano Consulting, and he is going to educate us today on taxation in retirement. Frank, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing, Matt? I am doing good. I'm actually really excited about this. Full disclosure for everybody who's listening, you know, when we're sitting down with a guest, we do a little bit of a pregame, and Frank was just spending some time going in an overview of what we're going to be talking about today from an education standpoint, and I think all of you are going to need to have a piece of paper handy because what he's going to do is so important for you to understand, especially if you are in retirement or approaching retirement when it comes to taxation, you are going to want to take notes. So Frank, Tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey as a financial services professional. Well, I started about 29 years ago. And like everyone else, I started with a large company, Metropolitan, great company. I just didn't uh, fit in because I would always try to create packages or planning for clients. And of course, the companies want you to use what they want you to use. And within two years, I couldn't take it. So I went out on my own and started Morano Consulting. And the reason for that was I found myself, instead of showing Metropolitan products, I was actually getting them to go call travelers or all some of these other companies. And of course, I never made money, but it wasn't about me. And I, that was the start of everything. I realized that by helping people first, it always came back. So I truly believe that in everything I do and in my practice. Now, you actually stopped being a financial advisor a little while ago and you came back. Why don't you tell us about that? It's true. I had been very successful. I do articles on, you'll see some of my advice and articles on Forbes, CNN, Money, money money.com and other uh, financial organizations. And that keeps me quite busy. So I retired uh, very comfortably and I was very content and I practice what I preach. So I put myself in a income versus taxes situation that was very comfortable for me what was been going on with covid and what has started happening this year with all the taxes i had to come out of retirement and i'm still semi-retired but i has started teaching again and went out and i do virtual classes about taxes and retirement and i find it very important because a lot of people don't understand they see their statement, whether it's growing or not, and they love their advisor because their advisor is making them money, but no one is telling them how to get the money out in retirement. And that's what I do. Well, let's break that down just a little bit. Cause you talked about early on in your career that you were doing stuff above and beyond what, what Matt wanted you to do. You were bringing in products and services that were more beneficial or that would provide the right solution uh, to your clients. What do you do for them today? What really sets you apart if they hire you at Morano Consulting? Well, the the funny part was when I was with Metropolitan, I would have them call the competing company. So I came out of the picture 
And what they would do is they would say, is this good? And they would show me at Travelers or something like that. So back then, in my early years, I would actually read all of the products that other com companies had, and I would help them get into other companies. So within, within two years of being with Metropolitan, I said, so if I'm already doing that, why don't I start off on my own and get everybody where they need to be? So I took all the bias out of it. I actually would pay the companies instead of them paying me to offer products. So all the software and everything was on me, all the cost was on me, but the benefit was you know, tenfold to the, to the client. So that started the career and, you know, 29 years later, here we are. You talk about designing things on your website. What does that mean? Well, by able, being able to not be with one company. Okay. I can be licensed with any company that a product fits the client. Okay. So I, at certain times I'm pretty much with maybe a hundred companies at a time. And by doing that and having no connection with the company or, or I don't represent the company, I represent the client. So that puts me in a very good position. So if a company, uh, it could be five different companies that fit the client's needs, I could actually take each one of those companies and design something individual for each client. And also I could design things individually for everyone in the household, which is, which makes it even more important. If you close your eyes and you say, okay, this is the person who I want to walk through my door and ask me for my thought leadership, my expertise, and my wisdom, what does that person look like? What, what, what struck me and made me come back was the amount of education that's needed. I'm noticing that a lot of people, when I, when I do my uh, virtual class, I ask certain questions and the number one question that everyone gets wrong is the difference between qualified and non-qualified money. And you have to know the two differences when you get into retirement. So I was always saying that I loved someone that I can train and educate. And in my practice, someone who came to me and wanted to know more, okay, and was willing to learn. So I would take that person, I would teach them everything about finance, I would teach them everything about how their taxes work, and basically a perfect client is someone who doesn't need an advisor, okay? And I have software that they can follow what I'm doing. If they become a client, they follow everything I'm doing, but by, by me teaching them, they know what I'm doing because I've already taught them how investing and money works. All right, let's start diving into what our audience is going to be listening and learning from you today. So I, as I said at the top of the show, everybody, I want you to grab a piece of paper. If you're not driving, don't do that because that's dangerous. But if you're not driving and you're sitting in the comfort of your home or wherever you are, grab a piece of paper because there are a lot of very, very salient points here that we want to make sure that you write down, that you remember uh, after you get done listening to the podcast. So Frank, let's dive in to the nuts and bolts of what people really truly need to know about taxation and retirement? Well, first, and, and this is the stuff that, again, brought me back. Our debt right now is $28 trillion. Understand that's 12 zeros, okay? Our income or our GDP is 21 trillion. So we actually spend 138% more than we bring in. There's no credit card. There's no business that would work like that. 
And on the table right now, they're looking to spend another six to eight trillion dollars, which would actually put us well over 160 percent from what we're spending to what we're actually bringing in. And that is very important because no matter what they say, we're all going to pay the tax. And as I was working with clients and teaching them tax planning, I came to the terms to realize that seniors pay a bulk of the tax. Just look at the penalties. If you miss paying your RMD, there's a 50% penalty. That's actually a tax. If you start taking your social security and you have other income, we're going to get into that. You're going to pay, you could pay up to 85% tax on your social security. Whereas a person working, making lots of money will never see those taxes. Those taxes actually can prevent someone because now we're living longer. And that is one of the largest fears that I find. People are fearing outliving their money and the taxes and inflation is, is actually what causes that, okay? So you could have a million or two million. I've had clients that had $2.8 million just in Connecticut and their taxes would, and they were very frugal, but their taxes, when I showed them, actually made them run out of money eight years sooner than they thought, okay? So that's, that's a big thing. Tax planning is very important. Your advisor makes your money, your accountant does your taxes. Your advisor, when they're making money, when you're taking the money out of those funds, what does the tax look like? How does it affect your adjusted gross income? That is the bottom number on your 1040 that you actually pay tax on. Then you go to your accountant. Now, the problem when, when you go to your accountant, you're seeing him after the problem has already been made. When you see an, an advisor who does tax planning, we plan before you do the tax. And that's very important. So what I like to tell people is it's not actually what you make, it's what you get to keep. And that's how tax planning works. Like you mentioned, I do classes, I now do virtual classes, and I actually show people how they're being taxed in retirement. And if you know how you're being taxed, it makes it a lot easier for you to keep more of your money. We now have new tax laws coming into play. Okay, so what I'm gonna talk about today is what's already on the books. So we have the SECURE Act that the House passed in 2019. It's basically, they call it a retirement act and it allows people to retire a little bit more and, and put away more. But what, what I see of it is that it's an estate tax. Most of us have beneficiaries who are looking for legacies to give to our children or leave behind. The SECURE Act basically has cut back on what we call stretch payments. So if a person dies and left money to their son or, or daughter, that person would be able to take those RMDs and stretch them out over their lifetime. This new law has reversed that and cut everything back down to 10 years. Now, why does that matter? That retirement account, which is qualified money, Qualified money means that you've never been taxed on it before. That money has to be exhausted before the 10-year mark. So your family has 10 years to exhaust that account. Otherwise, it's fully taxed. Why is that a problem? Well, if you have a million dollars there and a million dollars goes to your, your uh, beneficiary, 
they have 10 years to do it. So simple math is that's 100,000 a year. What if that beneficiary has a good job? Now that 100,000 income is being added to their tax. See what happens? I call that the snowball effect. And the, the fact is that the house feels that, and you'll see that now going forward with all the estate taxes, they're trying to get as much as your tax money as possible, okay? Uh, uh, the second thing that you'll hear now, and I talk about it in the virtual class, is Roth conversions. Now, I watch other advisors and my clients have called me and said someone wanted to do a Roth conversion. And when I do the math, the Roth conversion would have actually taxed them more than if they left the money where it is. So you got to be careful about that. If your advisor account is asking you to move all of the money, you got to make sure that your taxes in the future are not less than if you do that conversion because a conversion to a Roth, you're taxing the money now so that your beneficiary or if you take the money out in the future are not taxed. So Roth has its place, but you gotta make sure that it works. One nice thing about a Roth is there are no RMDs. Okay, now RMDs are a forced withdrawal that you take out. If you're not 70 and a half now, they moved it to 72. When you turn 72, there's a formula and it works off your birthday and it works off the balance in the account. Uh, a little story I have about that is I had a new client that has a little over $4 million. And for her age, I had told her that she didn't need any advisor. She just needed to move all her money into cash and stopped making that money grow. Her advisor said that was a terrible idea. Well, mainly because the advisor is going to be getting commission on its growth. When it moves to cash, the commission stops. 1% of $4 million is a lot of money. I understand that. But a true fiduciary would always do what's in right in the client's best interest. She came to me because of taxes. If she stops growing on that account, she will never run out of money. Okay? And that was my main concern. So I run reports on her. She'll never run out of money. Knowing that she'll never run out of money and she puts it into cash, she'll never lose money because it's not in the market anymore. But the beauty part of doing that is that she will not be growing in that account. Every time her advisor would make her money, her RMDs go up. And in fact, this person, because of her age, her RMDs are forced. She must withdraw $125,000 a year of income tax that gets added to her already $100,000 income. So do the math. That means that she's paying more taxes than she'll ever make. Okay, so these are the things that you want a good advisor to do. I'm a comprehensive advisor, so I handle everything from debt all the way up. The, the next thing you want to do is know that if you're doing a Roth conversion, possibly doing it systematically. Okay, so when I sit with people and I'm doing a Roth conversion, I may tell them the first year, my software tells me, my like, first year, you're going to take out 30000 next year, fourteen. That keeps them within the taxable amount that they're willing to pay. That's very important. Okay, second thing is tax laws change. We're now coming up with a new tax law. So you need to adjust to everything that's going on. You may need more income. You may need less income, okay? That also helps. 
learning when to take social security. Okay, that's a big part of my class and presentation because sometimes if you start um, social security early, remember that is a fixed income. So if your taxes, if the tax law changes in the future, that fixed income plus other income cannot be changed. So if you can't change it, you might have a bigger tax problem in the future and you may run out of money. So having a great tax plan includes when should I take Social Security? So the next problem I want to show you is how Social Security is taxed. This is very important. So if you do have a piece of paper, remember, I'm going to be talking numbers. And I always use a little thing in my class. I always tell people numbers do not lie and they don't. Politicians do. So and I usually get a laugh, but here are the numbers. When you look at your 1040, OK, you have the center of the page. Now, the center of the page is your pension, your withdrawals, any type of money coming out, dividends. Those are income. And you also have in the center of the page your Social Security. Now, why is it in the center? Well, because it hasn't gone over to the taxable portion part. The right side is all income. What do I mean by that? Well, if you had a household, and this is just numbers, but if you had a whole household where both spouses made $25,000 of Social Security and they had absolutely no other income, and this is very important, so they have $50,000 of income in the household, they will pay zero tax. They actually have a zero tax on their tax form because Social Security has already been taxed. Social Security is taxed because of other income. So if you have a part-time job, a pension, or you're pulling RMDs, okay, that's other income and it affects your Social Security. So that's what I mean about waiting or taking early and knowing when to take it. How that works is it's called a provisional income. You don't see this on your tax, tax forms because it's part of the software. And every now and then I'll get a, an accountant that comes to my class and says, gee, I didn't know that's how it works, but here's how it works. During the 80s, they needed more revenue and who had more revenue was the seniors. So they decided to tax Social Security. By taxing Social Security, they were able to recoup some of the money they were spending because people were living longer, okay? And even today, people are even living more into the future, okay? So the provisional income works like this. They take half of the household social security, so 50%, and they add it to all of your income that's coming into the house, household income. That could be dividends. That could even be muni bonds. Now, muni bonds are not taxed. Okay, but the income is added to this provisional formula to get a taxable event of your Social Security. Now, here's why it's important. Let's say I have a client who has a $70,000 income. That's dividends. That's now they're in a 15% bracket today, 15 to 20% bracket. Okay, so they're making $70,000 income. They're below a lot of different thresholds, okay? And let's use the example, they're in New York, and in New York, they offer a subsidy for seniors on school taxes, okay? Anyone under $85,000. Now, why is that important? Because if they're 
subsidy is 50% of the school tax and they're saving, let's say $5,000 a year on school tax by making $70,000, okay? And this is where the planning comes in. Their social security is actually $25,000. It's in the center of the page. But because they broke a couple of thresholds, the first threshold for a married filing jointly couple is $32,000. So the, the IRS says if any couple or household is making uh, $32,000, that's a lot of money. So that's how they say it. I don't know if it's a lot of money because a lot of people have trouble living on that. But because they say that's a lot of money and that's the first threshold, 50% of your social security moves over to the income side. The second threshold, because they make $70,000, is $44,000. So every dollar over $44,000 gets an extra 35 cents per dollar taxed. So another, so another 35% moves over. That is a total of 85%. Many people don't even know that. So your Social Security moves from tax-free to being taxed 85%. Now, if they were to tax your Social Security, that would be a wonderful thing, because in this scenario, your $25,000 tax would only be about two to $3,000. Most people could handle that. But provisional income does not do that. It gets much dirtier. What provisional income does, it takes the money from the center to page, non-taxed, and it moves, follow this, $25,000 of non-taxed money, 85% is $22,000 and it moves it over to the income side. So now this nice couple, their income or adjusted gross income, okay, just went, so now they're at total income. Their total income is 70 plus to 22, that's $92,000. That becomes their new adjusted gross income. The feds call that or IRS calls that their MAGI. Their modified adjusted income. Some of you may have heard of it. That's what that means. So now, if they have no deductions, they'll pay tax on $93,000 instead of the 70. What happened with this particular client was they also lost the subsidy of the $5,000 and their school tax went to $10,000 instead of five. Insult to injury. I call that the snowball effect. The other thing that happened was because they had $70,000 of income and it went to 93, they now fell into a capital gain. So all the capital gains they were not paying tax on, they're paying 15%. That also increases the adjusted gross income. I'm not done. Because their income shot up and now their capital gains comes in, their Medicare Part B increases. So you see what happens? This is why, so all this extra premium or income, which it's not real, okay? It's just you're now paying income that you would not have had to pay. That goes on your bottom line of your adjusted gross income. So let's just look, let's say they had $20,000 of tax deductions, right? If they only had the 70,000, their adjusted gross income would be 50,000, putting them in a 10% bracket. If they have the 93, minus the 20, that puts them at 73,000, which is actually $3,000 more than their actual income of 70. Do you see how this gets really, really tough? And if you don't plan for this, 
all that extra income, where are you getting the money? The majority of the people I sit with have to go to their IRAs or their qualified money and they pull it out and it becomes next year's income. So that's more of a snowball. So I hope everybody's understanding this because it's very serious. The other thing I wanna show you is what happens if someone is divorced or even worse? Because as we age, we could lose a spouse. Taking those, the, the numbers that I just gave you, and I, I apologize, it is math, okay? So taxes is math. And when I do this in the class, you see a screen and you get to see everything. So what happens when we lose a spouse? Okay, the rule of thumb is that the surviving spouse does not get to keep both social securities. So we have our, our set income, we have our set that we're both enjoying, okay? And we have the social security that we're both getting. And the law is if, if one person dies, then you're allowed to take the higher of the two, but you lose the other one. And it doesn't matter what that amount was, it could be half or it could be small, but you know, in, in retirement, most people, even no matter how much money they have, they're still set on a budget. So if you lose money in your budget, you have to make it up somewhere else or you have to cut your expenses. So in this example, this client, this couple needed $60,000. Okay, that is what they need to pay all their bills, $60,000. They were taking 30,000 from their IRA and 30,000 from social security combined. So they got their 60,000. In that scenario, their taxable social security is $6,800, not bad. So after their standard deduction, they would come up with a taxable income of $14,000. That's the fine line on their 1040, 14,000, which meant that put them in a 10% bracket, they would only have to pay $1,400 on that 60,000. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, now let's say one of them dies and now half of the social security is gone, correct? But we still have that 85% of social security. So in this instance with this couple, okay, when one of them died, they were able to keep $20,000 of social security and they lost 10. By losing 10,000, we had to make it up. So they had to take 10,000 from their IRA. That's other income against their social security, correct? That's the provisional income. Unfortunately, because someone died and this couple or this, this person didn't even get to mourn that death, they're now sitting at a problem. The taxable social security for the single person is no longer $6,800 that it was for the couple. It's now went up almost three times to $17,000. So $17,000 moves over to the income side instead of 6,800. What does that do to the adjusted gross income? Well, instead of making $60,000, which this person actually is, it actually is showing a $77,000 adjusted gross income. Okay, now that $77,000 adjusted gross income is not even the problem. What happens when a spouse is gone? Well, we also lose 
their standard deduction. So we only have half of the deduction here. So our taxes went up on a, on a social security and our deductions were cut in half. So I hope that painted somewhat of a picture because it's not pretty. Here's what happened. The taxable income as filing joint, remember that's two incomes, okay? The taxable income was 14,000 and put them in a 10% bracket. And the tax they paid was, was $1,400, okay? So their money would last a while. Let's check out this single person. Taking 17,000, moving it over to income, pushes her, th that person's income to $77,000 of adjusted gross income. They only get half a deduction. So the taxable income on this person right now is no longer $14,000. Unfortunately, this person's taxable income, even though all the numbers are the same, and in fact, they lost money, is now $45,000. That is the taxable income on the 77,000 for a single person. Remember, we're not doing the tax bracket of a married filing jointly anymore, we're doing single. So that kind of works when you get divorced too, okay? <clears throat> but to add salt to injury, because that's how I see it, is the snowball effect. Remember, under the, the joint couple, they paid $1,400 in taxes. In this person's situation, okay, if they still need to, to bring in the 60,000 of income, their taxable event right now is $7,100. And if they needed $60,000 just to pay their bills, this person is definitely going back to the, the IRA, pulling out 7,100 just to pay the tax, which is now lowering the IRA for the future. And next year, they're starting their income tax income with an extra $7,100. Do you see how that happens? So that could easily kill your income in the future. And if you're living longer, now your income may last about eight years less. Okay. So this is very important. One thing that I want everyone to know is that if we look at the history of the market, right, in 2008, and everybody remembers 2008, the market fell. It took exactly six years for the market to come back. So it went from 2007 to exactly 2013 for the market to break even. It was up and down, but that's how long it took. How long with, with the, the, the stock market and now you know about how taxes affect. If the market goes down, how long could you guys last? How long would it take if the market's down and you're paying taxes and you have that big snowball effect, add all this together and it, it's, it grows to a big snowball, okay? What I would like to leave you with is a trick that I do to lower people's taxes because I always like to give a little gift. But there's one thing that I do for my clients that you should tell your advisor, okay? What we do is when we get our uh, RMD money, people will call me and say, what do I do with that? I don't need it. Okay, it's a forced withdrawal from your account and it's made to make you pay the tax. Okay, so when you withdraw an RMD or your company sends you your checks, so let's say it's $10,000. Okay, that RMD will come out and gets deposited into your account. And at the end of the year, you're going to show a 1040. And that 10,000 is more income on top of your 1040. And then 
most people, what they'll do is they'll start giving to charity. Okay. So they think that they're lowering their tax base and you do by giving to charity. What I do for my clients, it's called a, a QCD or qualified charitable distribution. Very important. Remember that name, qualified charitable distribution. So if you're taking your RMD and you do not need the money, what the advisor should do Okay, now it's a lot of work and paperwork for him, but that's what you're paying him for. Okay, what the advisor should do is they take the RMD and they send the 10,000 directly to charity. What that does is the money never hits your income. So it never increases your adjusted gross in income. Okay, very, very serious. Now, if you still wanna lower your income, you can still give to charity on top of that. This is a great tool, okay? Because anyone over 72 now, 70 if you if you were doing RMDs already, or 70 and a half, this is a great tool if you don't need the money. But people say, hey, Frank, what if I need 5,000 of it? Wonderful, 5,000 goes to the charity, 5,000 goes to your income. So instead of taking 10 into your income, you're only getting five. So it hurts a little bit less, okay? So I hope that's something I could leave with you. There was so much that you could leave us with there, Frank. That was freaking awesome. I love the the tangible steps. I love the warning signs that you have. I love you you talking about the pitfalls, the snowball effect. All of the components of this presentation is something that I think all of our listeners are going to want to do something that doesn't always happen on podcasts, but I think it's going to happen with this one, which is you're going to listen to this again. What you need to do is when we get done with the podcast today, you need to go ahead and hit restart the podcast and you need to listen because I was taking feverish notes just for myself here because Frank, honestly, you went through a whole bunch of stuff today that I have never heard of, nor uh, have I ever heard of the, the charitable thing that you just talked about at the end. And, and I've, I've been doing this for a while, man. Well, it's just a, a great tool. It's free. Okay, I, I believe in using uh, a lot of times what I do for my clients is never even charge them to do things. And some of the things that I do that, that make their life a little better is just tweaking what they already have. So there's no expense to them. And that's something the, the QCDs really work well if, because a lot of people take RMDs and they don't want them, but you're forced to. There is so much stuff here that I think that the general public doesn't know about that thankfully there are people like you out there, Frank, who take time to educate for the greater good of what's going on. Because in fact, you know, when we were talking about you doing this podcast, one of the big things that you said was how passionate you are about education. And honestly, Frank, I think that came through very, very clearly with the podcast today. Now, is there anything before we wrap up that we should talk about or that I should ask you before we go ahead and put the bookends on this puppy? Yeah, actually there is. One of the most important things that I learned was the lack of education, okay? And what do I mean by that? Well, I will you know, meet someone, even from my classes, I'll meet someone that they think they understand how what their statements mean. And I have never, in 30 years met anyone that did not have tomato sauce on their prospectus okay so education is is the most important thing with me if i'm going to take on a client they need to want to learn here's why because 
when they pull that prospectus out of the garbage, okay, and I and like I said, 30 years, I've never met a client, and they could be great in doing their own investments, okay, and I asked them, why is the, their tomato sauce on their prospectus, and they say it's scary, and I don't know what to do with it. Well, they are very thick, and if you open a few pages, it looks like a lot of math, and my problem with that is <clears throat> if you have four or five different accounts in your portfolio, you only have to read one or two pages per portfolio account, okay, out of maybe a couple hundred pages. I don't understand why, and I, I do understand it, but I'm very upset that other advisors do not teach people how to read them. Now, I may think I know why, but inside that prospectus is how that advisor is getting paid. I am full disclosure, and I don't. I tell people exactly how I'm getting paid. That prospectus, and if someone sits with me, the first thing we do before we even invest their money is I show them how to read a prospectus and see where their money is going. Your statement, when you look online, there's no fees there. You'll see an administrative cost, okay? And that might be 30 or $50, okay? You'll see maybe a few hundred dollars coming out, but you don't see the percentage that's actually being paid. And that's one of the reasons that when I teach people, they understand how their investment is making this and their statement is only showing this. It's all in the prospectus. And the sad part is if they would take the time to learn or if the advisor would take the time to teach them. It's one page that they have to look at, okay? If they want, I do teach them how to read the rest of the prospectus if they want, but basically they could look at a prospectus and get everything they need from it within three minutes. So, you know, the fear is put there for different reasons. They shouldn't have the fear. The fear is, you know, what keeps people from learning. Okay, so I, I take the time, I've always done this, I've always taken the time, if someone calls me, just to get to know who they are, okay, and I've had people hang up and say it was too long, but I would be on the phone with them for three or four hours, because I need to know who they are, okay, I was sitting with a client just last week, and she said, no one's ever done this before, it's usually, you know, the most a half hour, and I said, and I, I told them to ask me a question about them. And I was in, and didn't even come across, but I was able to answer that question. And they were amazed. And I asked them one question. I said, would you, how could you give your money to someone who doesn't know who you are? We have at least two more sessions of these four hours for me to learn who you are. And before I ever talk about social security or taxes or what we went over today, I will spend at least an hour or two talking about your family, their family, your sisters and brothers, your parents, sisters and brothers on both sides. And we, and I do it very thoroughly because there's no way of knowing how to start a social security talk. If I don't know what your longevity is, remember numbers don't lie. Yeah. Well, education is major. Okay. And part of what I, I may just talk to someone and just educate them and they'll just say, wow, I know what to do now and they don't need me and I feel great. Okay. They don't have to need me, but if I could educate someone where they don't need me, I've done my job. If somebody wants to find out a little bit more about how they can be educated by you and go through this process, what's the best way for them to reach out? 
that would be moranoconsulting.com. That's M-A-R-A-N-O consulting, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. That's my website. And, you know, you can see everything there or you can see some of my articles. And when we, when we start conversing, I usually, anyone I talk to, I send them, I do a bi-weekly newsletter and it's very short little clips about things that are going on in people's lives. And I get uh, people that say, wow, this is great. I didn't know that. It's to be about debt, credit, anything. It's just little, little educational thing. Again, education. And I usually get someone say, wow, my friend needed that or something. And they just pass it along and I love it. You know, so yeah, I, I glad that we talked about that because education is probably the most important part because a lot of people are in the dark about how their prospectus works or how their funds work. Well, Frank, we'll make sure that we put all of that contact information in the show notes. I want to thank you very much for taking some time to educate our listeners today. Hey, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. So for everybody here at Simply Advised and for, for Frank Morano here, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new educational piece, it'll show up directly on your listening device. But more importantly, if you know somebody who needs to hear this, who needs to go through this beginning part of this education that Frank took us through today, please make sure that you click the share button, which is super, super easy. You can share the podcast with your friends and family. So for everybody here, this is Matt Hallern, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Simply Advise podcast. Click on the link to subscribe to our podcast and learn more about how we can help you become more confident and informed about your financial choices. Frank Morano is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC registered advisor. Morano Consulting, the Simply Advise podcast, and RWA are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specialized in fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. All client situations described are unique and for illustrative purposes only. They are not meant to suggest or imply you will experience the same results or outcomes.